Ashley, welcome back. Well, thank you. From La- from uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, look at this awesome tan I got in the tropical Pittsburgh. Wow. Like it's such, I'm, I'm glowing. That's you know? great. That's a great tan for May. Yeah, uh, I was, for, for you know, May. walking to the, to the Uber <laughs> to the hotel and I got this awesome tan. You know, I spent a few days in Ohio, got even tanner. Oh, that's right. This is tropical AF. I use my SPF. Well, you know what? Your, your makeup is on point. Your bow is on point today. That's actually new. I don't think your viewers can see that, oh, but it's really, I love it. The under, I've worn yeah. it a few times. Okay. Well, Ashley is off the stage from Pittsburgh Pro. If you guys haven't been paying attention, she just came off of an awesome second place. How was that anyway? That I think we should at least time. talk about it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I had a good time. Um, it went really well for me. I'm I'm really happy to see I made some improvements, and it was kind of like, um, I guess more than I expected it to be as far as like making improvements in certain areas. And also it was like a little bit of a eye opener where I need to make even more improvements. So it's an ongoing process, but it's a great way to, uh, I guess it's the second big show of the season. So yeah, I, I'm happy. I'm really happy about it. No, it went, it went really, really good. You can, you notice it was noticeable, your improvements, your fullness, your, yeah. your walking, my walking huge on the walking. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was really happy to see your walking. Thanks. I haven't uh, been practicing. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> that's I just for using stage as a practice. That's I know. Ashley needs to practice her walking a little bit more, I know. I, but <laughs> she practices in the group posing class. So if you guys are watching, we have our posing class this weekend. Yes. Um, 10 o'clock. Ashley will be there practicing. She's always a participant. Yes. Yes. And coach participant and coach at those during mm-hmm. those. But yeah. So, on the on the um, rule of practicing, we should go into that. Tell these people, you know, what the, what the rules should be in terms of practicing. When you're getting ready for a show, typically recommendation is 20 to 30 minutes of posing after you work out. Um, the last like four weeks, we generally will do it like four or five days a week, and then before that, you know, just a few times a week for the same time frame. That's a kind of a rule of thumb mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah, totally. And I think like the more experienced you are, obviously, it it you don't need to do it as much yeah. as somebody that you know has just now put on heels for the first time because those are a different story. Those will probably need to um, practice a lot, lot, lot more. You know, some girls aren't used to walking in heels, let alone posing. So, yeah, you know, you got to assess that because it is a very important part of your overall package. You know, you might have the best physique on stage, but if you don't know how to display it, it's not going to do anything for you, you know? For sure, yeah. And that's a good point, too, because um, when you get to – you get to all these weird points in bikini. Like you get to the point where it's like too much muscle in some areas and then you're sculpting, like for you, for example, you're sculpting your shoulders and trying to get your shoulders bigger. That's like the yeah. main the main target area now. And then when you get so good at posing, then you're now you're just focusing on, you know, your walk a little bit more now right. and like little things like that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of cool to see how everything progresses along with it too. So like, so is your posing. So awesome job with that. When it was a Thank huge you. show, huge show back. Cause we're not going to go too much because we have a different topic today. Right. They don't want to hear just about me all the time. Cause you know, I compete a lot and I'm sure <laughs> like they're every- just like, okay, Ashley, we get it. You competed a lot this weekend. <laughs> It'd be like every show. Right. <laughs> Can you imagine doing 14 podcast episodes of me competing? It'd probably be about, about what it would be. Right. Yeah. That's pretty funny. So it was a great show. If you guys, you know, check out, check out online. There's a bunch of stuff on it. Um, I'm doing one as well on the Pittsburgh pro review. But today's podcast is about adaptions, and um, this is a great topic. You know, we talked about adaptions and plateaus and how to get out of them and what they actually mean. And uh, going back into our our core 
science talks of it, right? Oh, yeah. We're getting all sciencey up in here. <laughs> these ones are fun. We haven't done too many of these because they, they take a lot. Of, the science ones, they take a lot of like research and whatnot on them, too. But this one's actually one I kind of knew. I just needed mm-hmm. to look, recap a couple of things. So it was nice. Mm. So um, we hear a lot about different types of adaptions. And I don't think... Um, I'm, I like this episode because people don't really realize like how many things you're adapting to and how, and the other thing is when we say adaption, it's kind of like a blanket term. We're just like, oh, I'm adapted. Like, well, to what degree are you adapting? Is it actually making things harder on you long-term in terms of your results? Is it making it a hurdle that you can't get over? Mm-hmm. Is it that big of an adaption? Like what are the real, like what's the real scenario with these adaptions that everyone talks about, especially like metabolic adaption, which is like the, the biggest one, the biggest hot topic one that people talk about now. Mm-hmm. So um, you've had some some good talks about that in terms of cardio-wise and, yeah. and how adaptions go. Yeah, so I mean, in our sport, it's a little bit different because we almost don't want to become too adapted to certain things, right? Whereas if you're in a sport where it's for performance, yeah, you want to adapt. You want to be able to run a mile super easily without even breaking a sweat. You want to be... Uh, you know, able to go a long distance without exerting yourself. But for us, I I like to say, for example, you, it's not necessarily a good thing to be too good at cardio because you're just basically increasing the time that you'll have to do it, which cuts into your training time and your life. Right. And you don't want to be stuck doing hours of cardio every day just to create that stimulus to then lose weight. Right. So that's why I say like, you know, you got to kind of reserve cardio for when you need it. And you like to to describe it as like a bullet in the gun, right? Yeah. So whenever it's time to pull the trigger, you have tools, you have ammunition you can use to get um, conditioned enough for your show. Yeah, exactly. And so I use it as like a metaphor is, okay, you start off a prep with X amount of bullets in the gun. Let's say you start off with like 10 bullets in the gun. Well, one of those bullets is going to be reducing cardio one of, or, or increasing cardio. One of those bullets is going to be reducing calories, right? And so as you start running into these roadblocks and your body starts adapting and you start becoming harder to lose body fat, well, you fire a bullet, you fire a bullet. Well, you can only fire so many bullets till you fully run out and then you're, you're empty and there's nothing left in the tank. You're at, you know, an hour of cardio, you're at a thousand calories and there's just no more, nowhere else to go at that right. point besides just keep doing what you're doing. You're out. Mm-hmm. But you have to be smart on when you fire that bullet. So I like, I use a micro progression and sometimes when I'm adjusting meal plans, it's like, you know, it's like tiny adjustments. Now we do all of our check-ins through video check-in now. So mm-hmm. now I'm actually doing my adjustments like on the video so they can see where I'm adjusting it from. Because what I was doing is I was doing them and I would send them their menu plan back and they'd be like, well, where's the change? Right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's that one, you know, handful of nuts. It's like that one, <laughs> like, it's like these little tiny things and they're like, oh, okay. And so it's like, but the the thing is, we're just, we're, we're trying to fire as little bullets as possible and get the maximum amount of results. So, you know, if you go into these huge adjustments, your body tends to adapt faster and you run out of bullets in that prep. Exactly. So, so like if you started a prep doing, let's say an hour cardio and in, in really low calories off the bat, yeah, you might lose a good amount of weight, you know, for a while, but then you'll come to that plateau, that wall, and you're going to be like, okay, well, what now? And the only answer is like, you know, like you said, there really is nowhere to go. It's <laughs> just, it just becomes more difficult. So that's why it's important to do it very gradually, nothing too drastic, you know, because that would be, I guess, the equivalent of a, like a crash diet. And that's why crash diets aren't, aren't the best either. You know, you just end up yo-yoing. Yeah. And it's, and it's, the, here's the, the problem is, is that when you go into a prep, 
and you're giving someone, let's say, like right off the bat, like an hour of cardio and 1,200 calories. That's like a common one to go to. The problem with that is you're kind of just blanket applying what most people will end up doing to every person. And it's not really the way it goes. You have to give someone the chance to diet with more calories, to diet with less cardio. And we just let their body tell us what to do. Like I go into every prep and I'm like, I don't even want to look at anything we did really in the past. I just want to know like whatever your body is checking in the next week as, and all I care about is that weekly progression. Whatever your body tells us to go, do we want more calories as this prep? Do we want less calories as prep? Wherever it says to go is where we're going to go. If we're hitting the weekly targets, which the, usually the weekly targets are like 1% of their weight. So if Ashley's 125, I want to lose 1.25 pounds. That's kind of like the target of, of weight. And then I want to lose about a quarter of an inch on the waist and a quarter of an inch on the hips. That does vary with person with people um, based on how they have, they have fat dispersion. You know, So if someone is really, really heavy in the hips and has abs all year long, they're probably not going to lose a quarter of an inch on the waist, that type mm-hmm. of thing. So it's different per person, but those are kind of the targets. And if we're hitting those targets, there's no reason to go faster. There's no reason to go slower as long as the target equals your end result. So just to give you guys an example, um, you know, obviously I know Ashley's body really well, to be honest, it's like really easy at this point with your, it's really easy with your body at this point, but, um, you could see it. It's, it just responds well. I just, it's really easy. But, um, what you, when you look at, let's say, um, let's say an Ashley, let's say her waist is, I'm just going to throw out numbers. Let's say her waist is 22 inches on stage. Um, and she loses a quarter of an inch a week on her weight, on her waist measurement drop. Well, if she's at 24 inches on her waist and she's losing a quarter of an inch per week, that means that she is currently eight weeks out from peaking that waistline. So the way I can decide if I need to fire a bullet or not is to decide, okay, if, if her waist is 28 inches at six weeks out, I'm sorry, 20, 24 inches at six weeks out, well, then we're behind. Mm-hmm. But if it's 24 inches at 10 weeks out, then we're ahead. Right. So that's how you kind of can decide these things in, um, in terms of like how you're going to reach that next progression and when to do the right progression and whatnot. But if her waist, let's say she's eating, this is not going to happen, but let's say she's eating 3000 calories. Right. And it's the first time she's eating 3000 calories in a prep, but she's still hitting those markers, even though it shouldn't work that way. At least I'm giving her body the chance of doing it, you know, and that's the thing is you've got to give everybody a chance at doing that. You got to like just do the weekly week check in. You can't have any preconceived ideas of what it should be for this person, for this client. It should just be you check in, whatever happened from last week to this week is going to dictate how many calories, how much cardio you do, et cetera. Right. So that's kind of how I approach preps or every client that we have. Um, And that's why we do those like, you know, individual check-ins. So, but um, as far as like the adaption goes, when you're talking about cardio, Mm -hmm. so a cardio adaption is a real thing. Now, the degree at what you're adapting is where I think that the, the topic needs to be at more than anything. So they did do these, these studies. They've done studies on cardio adaption. So if you can think about it, um, if you're sitting on a couch and you haven't done any cardio at all, so basically me. No, just kidding, I've done a little. <laughs> pretty close, pretty close. <laughs> and I go and do Ashley's cardio at Orange Theory for an hour. I'll burn way more calories than Ashley, even if we were the same weight, the same everything, because I'm... I'm super inefficient at that movement. Mm-hmm. Now, this, um, the same thing with Ashley. She's so good at it, she might be burning less than her first time because she got so good at this movement. And people are like, no, you're still moving. And there's this argument. It's like this like trick question that they, they tell you in school. And it's like, okay. And I remember this in one of my classes. There are the, the teacher was like, okay, one person runs a mile, one person walks a mile. Who burns more calories, right? 
And everyone's like, oh, the person who runs a mile, right? He's like, no, because they ran with more intensity for a shorter period of time, but someone ran with lower intensity for a longer period of time and took more steps. They actually burned the same, right? Because mm. the, the total workload is the same at the end. You, may, you ran a mile. That's the workload, right? So I was like, okay, that's a, that's a good point, but it's not entirely true. Like the theory is true, but right. if person A, who walked a mile, has been sitting on a couch and person B was Ashley, who's 14 shows a year for, yeah. <laughs> for the last couple of years, like there's, it's not going to be the same. It's, right. you know, it's going to be a different caliber. And so if you think about it, I like to use it like it's like a baby deer. Yeah. Like when you see a baby deer born and they're like super cute and floppy all over the place oh, and they're like little legs. <laughs> Actually, you're such a girl sometimes. <laughs> and they're like flopping all over the place. Like they're not going to run, they're not going to burn a mile worth of calories the same as their mom. Right. right? Because the mom's been running around like that right. forever. She's like, this is nothing. No sweat. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Exactly. And they've done this. They've actually studied this and tested it. And what they did is they took a swimmer who was a really good swimmer. Um, and they put them on a, uh, on a track to run a mile. And then they took the person who's really good at running a mile and put them in swimming mm. and they tested how many more calories they, they're burning per their weight. And it was extreme. It was an extreme difference of how much more they burn. So that tells us a couple things. One, you can become more efficient at cardio. And two, you should be switching up your cardio. Yes, exactly. To, to keep inefficient mm -hmm. as possible. Right. Always challenge yourself. Yep. Yeah. So I like to stick to um, I like to stick to the cardio modes that are going to be burn the most calories that are that are the least efficient calorie burners, I guess I would say. Mm -hmm. um, so stair mill, treadmill, I mean, if you're doing hits like pushing a sled, um, the the rower, those are good ones. But if you get, you know, you see some people that are like, oh, I'm gonna do 45 minutes of cardio on this elliptical. And I'm like, dude, you're just, you're like, you might as well just be on a lazy boy, like hitting that switch back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like the I same think the spin bike can also <laughs> kind of do that. Sometimes the stationary <laughs> bikes is Man, it takes a lot to get out of breath on those things. Right. But yeah, that's a good point. Like, so it's good that you're saying that like, hey, if you've been doing a, this exact same cardio for a long time and you're not seeing results, even if you are increasing your time, I mean, it's probably best to even switch up the cardio equipment, you know? Yeah, I like it. Uh, you know, it's, it's really easy to keep track if you do it once a month. Like, so you do, you know, you become really efficient at the treadmill. The first of the mm -hmm. month, you do treadmill. The first of the next month, you do the stair mill. The first of the next month, you do the rower, whatever, right? Um, and it's, so the FIT principle, it's F-I-T-T, -T, frequency, intensity, time, and type. So you should be switching one of those whenever you're running into those roadblocks. Mm -hmm. So, but everyone always forgets type. They always just yeah. think about frequency, and, um, and time, they don't even think about intensity for the most part. It's always mm -hmm. frequency and time. It's like, oh, do more cardio, do it more frequent, do more cardio, do it more frequent, always on the treadmill, always at an incline walking. Like, I'm like, have some <laughs> variety, yep. get some intensity in there. Maybe you can do run like another way of increasing would be, you know, let's say you've been doing 45 minutes on a treadmill walking. Well, maybe you can go and, and you look at your total miles. Let's say it's three miles, whatever. Well, maybe next time you do three and a half miles, right? You can increase your duration, right? Your, uh, I'm sorry, your, your, your distance, right? So um, there's a lot of different ways of, of increasing intensities, but one of them that people don't talk about is type. And type is one of those in the fit principle where you should be switching up your type of cardio to challenge yourself. So if your cardio is easy and be honest with yourself, if it's easy, you know, switch it to something that gives you a little bit of a challenge because you will become more adapted. Doesn't mean it's going to be a hurdle that you can't climb. Just means you're probably going to end up doing more cardio than you want to right. and be, being, um, being more efficient at that cardio, burning less calories. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so it's a, it's, it's just one of those things, too, that you get as a coach and you're like, they're like, oh, I'm doing, um, you know, I'm, I'm killing my workouts, I'm killing my cardio. And then you'll like get because we're, you know, online coaches you don't get to see that part of it. 
And then you see them in your gym, they're like on the elliptical on their phone. And I'm like, oh. dude, what are you doing? Like, mm -hmm. you, you might as well just walk around the mall. You know, <laughs> like it's like, it's like the same thing. And, you know, steps matter. I do take into account steps too. Um, but, you know, there is something to be said about when you're in the gym, you should be working with some intensity. Yeah, especially if you are doing the, the same thing over and over. That's the thing. You're kind of falling into the pattern of just going through the motion rather than focusing on that intensity. And are you pushing yourself or are you just going through the motions because you're so used to it? It's such a habit. So that's something everyone needs to be aware of, even even when lifting weights, right? Just make sure you're focusing on like intention, you know, yeah. like, am I feeling this in the right spot? What I should be doing? Is it challenging me? You know, cause you know, you do it enough and it just becomes more of like a habit and you don't even think, but it's important to use the mind muscle connection. Like, okay, I'm making this purposeful. It's intentional. I'm feeling it where I should. And that goes for cardio and weights. Yeah. And what is your recommendation on getting out of that phase? Cause I go through that phase sometimes too. For me, it's sometimes it's like, I can't take time off the gym. Like, I just can't do it. Like, I'll take two days off, three days off, like, two days off. I don't even know the last time I took two days off in a row. Is, unless I had to for a show or something uh -huh. that we were traveling to or something, I just can't do it. But what I will admit is that mentally I'm not always in it. And mm -hmm. I, I honestly shouldn't even be in the gym. I should just be like, okay, do a deload, take a week off working out so that way I can find some motivation again. Mm -hmm. But I'm like addicted to it to the point where I feel so like, I'll feel sloppy like three days after not working out. Yeah, You don't go through that like no, I go through I, it. No, yeah. I don't feel any good. In fact, I took a few days off. I haven't worked out since Thursday. Well, I just worked out with Sam. So that's what, four days. Yeah. I don't feel guilty. I feel more guilty if I go for my diet, though, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I tend to feel sloppy if I have, like, multiple days where I'm off track on my diet. But um, what I do to combat, like, the the monotony of workouts and stuff is I like to do workout classes. I don't know if you guys know. I Even for cardio, I'll oftentimes do Orange Theory. Um, that keeps it interesting because you never know what you're going to do day of the class. I like to switch it up when it gets warm, you know, do some hikes, do some jogging. Enter in some 10K races. Maybe I'll do that this year. Um, but, yeah, I definitely get bored with cardio. If I do the same cardio over and over, it just becomes so blah, and I, it makes me lose focus. So, you know, that helps, and obviously having a trainer helps too because they won't let you slack off having someone watch you and make sure you're doing the right things, and they can come with up with new things as well. But even small things like switching up gyms can be refreshing, um, working out with a partner to hold you accountable can be refreshing, you know, and just new workouts and stuff. It's, it's important to keep it, um, keep it interesting for your mind too, you know, not even just for your physique, but for your mind. So you're not falling into those habits of just going through the motions. Cause it's the same thing you always do. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's the one thing that I will say I struggle with is going like going through periods of just going through the motions mm -hmm. and then you leave the gym. And you're like, gosh, I wasn't even a good workout. Like I got yeah, nothing. Like, oh, I just wasted my time. Yeah. yeah. Like you did it technically. Right. right. <laughs> That's the only thing I say about my struggle. Food is never really an issue. Um, but it's funny because if I'm out with someone or whatever, I'll they'll always be like, you always eat so clean. You can give yourself a little freedom. And I'm like, I'm like, well, I didn't just compete in a bodybuilding show. <laughs> like yeah. the people telling me that are like the people who like just competed in a bodybuilding show. And I'm like, yeah, you look a little different. <laughs> like I don't have that luxury of that, you know? So, uh, but the, the, the workout part, um, I like that your tips switch it up, keep it fun. Um, sometimes I'll switch up to like a full body thing. And I think that's mm -hmm. pretty fun to do once in a while too. But, um, anyway, going back into now adaptions, um, you have a whole bunch of different things that you can adapt to too. So like for you, stimulants, right? Yeah. Like caffeine, um, coffee, 
I'm sure everyone can remember their first coffee, right? And they got so hyped off of the coffee. But hey, you drink coffee every day and it just tastes like, or I shouldn't say tastes like, but it feels like water to you. You're just like, nah, you know, didn't really do much. That's an example of adapting to a stimulant like caffeine, you know? It just doesn't do the same. Do you remember your first coffee? You know, it's funny when you said that, you're like, everyone remembers their first coffee. I don't remember my first coffee. I remember my first do coffee. Do you? How was that experience? I wish I could I remember was, I had the coffee in the evening, evening, not thinking, and then I was so hyper, I couldn't even sleep. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> How old were you? Actually, you're going to be surprised. It was probably like 2013. No way. Yeah. That's wild. Wow. Yeah. Like Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson hasn't had coffee yet. Wow. He's 57. Isn't that crazy? Jeez. It's like the most wild thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it was from <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. It was a blueberry flavored. I a girl named Allison like says, you, you got to try this because okay. I always thought coffee was gross. I thought that was the server. I was like, you no. remember the girl? My <laughs> friend, Allison, she's like, you got to try. No, you give coffee a chance. It tastes good. You just got to learn how to flavor it. So it was blueberry flavored. And I think it was with Splenda or Stevia. I don't know. Probably more Splenda. Um, it was from Dunkin', an iced coffee. And I was like, oh, I guess because coffee is good. I, You know, I should have gave it a chance. And then... I was like, wow, this is amazing. I have so much energy. And then now it doesn't do anything, really. I mean, I don't like to have coffee past noon, though, just just in case. But it doesn't really do much for me anymore. That's funny. Yeah. Coffee is a weird concept, like yeah. the juice of a bean. Yeah. Like it's a gr and it doesn't taste good by itself. Like you have to like, I'm going to give you this like bean juice bean that juice. you have to over flavor in order to consume it because it's so bad on its own that mm. gives you, that will keep you up at night if you drink too much of it, and this is a good idea. Like, it doesn't make, like, on paper, it doesn't make any sense, yeah. you know? <laughs> and the same goes for pre-workouts, too. You can adapt to those, and even if that's the case, maybe you can switch up brands or types of pre-workout. might help for a little bit, but it's still not going to have the same effect as your first pre-workout, you know? Yeah, like the stimulant effect of yeah. it. Your body gets, yeah, adapted to the caffeine and becomes less and less. Um, it's funny, um... I was joking with someone the other day, and she's like, I'm not, I'm not up to my gram of caffeine yet for a day. And I'm like, it's so bad. You're drinking a gram of caffeine. But I guess, like, how much you're drinking is relative to your adaption, right? So exactly. if it's someone who's hypersensitive to it, like, you know, 100 milligrams of caffeine mm -hmm. um, is not going to do much. So a cup of coffee is roughly 50 grams of, 50 milligrams of caffeine. It's 50? Like 50 yeah. It's like I thought it was 250. No, in a cup? Oh, yeah, I was mistaken. I w that'd be great. They'd be putting rain out of business. No, they're two fifty in a cup. <laughs> You're right. You're I mean, I'm right. sure it varies based on the. I'm sure it varies based on the process, right? Because we have that. What is it called? That is it. Death coffee. Death. You seen it? It's like you got a skull and crossbones. Is it called death coffee? Something like that. Look it up. Yeah, it's, it's. I don't think it's called. It's something like that. But it's like a death wish coffee. I think right. Yeah, death mm -hmm. wish coffee. Yeah. So. I don't know if it has more in it. They got me for marketing. Good for them, though, right? What if it's the exact same? But I don't know. I think it has more caffeine. Yeah, and I but think I, espresso has more caffeine than yeah. coffee, too. So, so um, anyway, so that's another thing. So stimulants you can have, too. One of the things um, that people will do is generally to get off your body being so used to the caffeine is taking two weeks off. Mm -hmm. It is a I've rough two weeks. It is a rough two weeks. Yes. Yeah, there's a yeah. there's an episode. If you want to type like go into that more, there's an episode of Joe Rogan podcast where a guy comes in talking about caffeine that you could find. Um, you could actually just probably search it just based on that. But he talks about like how your natural state is without caffeine and how we're all so used to caffeine just functioning in our daily lives that our base point now 
is based on caffeine consumption and your true base point, you're going to feel a lot different without it. But he was talking about how efficient we were because of it and how, um, and, uh, you know, there's actually this funny story. I'm sorry, I'm totally going to a different topic, but it is caffeine related. Um, what is it called when people get tea in like the afternoon or like coffee in the afternoon? Like, like at work, it's like a coffee break. Is it just a coffee break? Probably, yeah. Is it just a coffee break? It's a cool story, but I'm wishing, I want to make sure I get the term right because it kind of sets up the whole story. But maybe you guys can think of it. It's like a coffee break or something, right? But it's a cool, it's a cool story. So how it worked was, um, it was, it was back in the day, this is a funny story. Back in the days, there is these, uh, a manufacturer of handmade items, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like hand-sewn items. Mm-hmm. And it was all women employees that these guys, that these uh, people had, this manufacturing company had. And he noticed that towards the end of the day, production was significantly down from the beginning of the day. And so one of the, one of the ladies tells the guy, you know, he was like, how do we get your production up? Because after you hit like 12, everything goes down. Like your, your efficiency is way down. He's like, well, why don't you give us all just like a little coffee break, like a little break. And then so that's what started like this coffee break mm. because they gave it to these women and they all started hitting the same production that they hit in the morning after the coffee. Isn't that crazy? Jeez. About efficiency. So I'm sure their sleep wasn't as good. It's all, but but who cares? They're making they're making money. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> this is capitalism. Like what? <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> that's what it came down to. These companies, <laughs> just like here, drink more. Let's make more. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. That was that was the end result. I guarantee no no concern came from that at all. They were just like <laughs> like how are you sleeping? They're like, hey, your production is up. Good job. <laughs> that's how that's how it works back in the day, right? That's so funny. Um, so now as far as um other adaptions go. So mm-hmm. I think the big one we should talk about is like the metabolic adaption. For low calories? Yes, the mm-hmm. doomsday of adaptions. Oh no. The doomsday. Oh. I like I like when we do voices. Uh, right. Arthur, can we get some voices when we get the budget? Some voice stuff when we get the budget. All right, voices when we get the budget. So <laughs> the uh yeah, so the metabolic adaptions has been um, it's an interesting topic because there's a lot of research that's gone into it. There's a lot of really good research in it. And there's a lot of scary research that's gone into it. Scary? The, the scary research, yeah. And I think it's intended oh, no. as scary research. I don't know if it's intended as scary research as the initial researcher did it or mm-hmm. as people who grabbed it used it as a tool to scare people to sell a product. Shame on them. Shame on them. Shame, shame. It's like giving those poor ladies caffeine at night so they can get more quilts, you know? <laughs> this, this, whole, this whole thing. So, um, yeah, so, okay, adaptions, metabolic adaptions happen. That's a real thing. It does happen. Um, but to the degree, again, we're talking about the degrees of adaption, and is it a hurdle too big for you to overcome is another thing, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's the real question. The real question isn't, does my body adapt metabolically? Um, that's without a question. Yes, it does have some adaptions. There's no, there's no question about that. Now, here's the thing. We have to define, define a metabolic adaption. We have to define what the adaption is, right? So, um, we have a presumed metabolic rate based on, okay, let's take Ashley, 125 pounds, five, five, five. Let's take that. So we say, okay, she should burn 2000 calories a day based on all the math, based on her lean mass, her height, weight, all that stuff, right? That's what we she should hit. An adaption would be calories that she burns less than that of someone who didn't diet to get to that weight, right? So Ashley had to diet down to 125. Aubrey weighed 125 at 5.5, right? Already, naturally, right? So 
Now, Ashley burns less calories because she had to get there, mm-hmm. and Aubrey was already there. So take those two people. Ashley had to diet to get there. She's burning less calories than Aubrey at the same height and weight. Therefore, she has an adaptive metabolism because she should be technically the same as Aubrey, but because of the process to get there, she burns less, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or you could do it based on how I was saying a second ago. I kind of mixed it up. Um, where you would be presumed based on your numbers to be mm-hmm. at X calories, let's say 2,000, but now you only burn 1,800, mm-hmm. and they think, in theory, because you dieted down, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, so that does happen. You do get to the point where you burn less calories. Now, first, the first adaption, though, hopefully you guys are all still with me. Has that explained decently? Is that okay? Yeah, okay. We're, we're getting somewhere. All right. Yeah, <laughs> Sometimes it's really clear in my head, and that's why I don't go too far on these science talks, because, like, I've lost a room before, you know, when my younger days, I really used to lose people. But um, I was like, how do you not, how do you not get that? But <laughs> like, it's just simple. It's simple. You know, it's like this huge graph on like, of whiteboards. It's like, yeah, no one understands this stuff. It's right. It's job security, I guess. But, <laughs> but the, uh, okay. So we have those two adaptions. So one of the things that we got to talk about is why you're adapting. Well, if you go from 135 to 125, and actually doesn't do that. It's just an example. You go from 135 to 125, of course you burn less calories, you weigh less. That's part of the adaption. That's the biggest part of the adaption is you weighing less, period. You know, if you want to be the most metabolically, like, active person in the world, you know, weigh 600 pounds. That's how you burn more calories, right? So the less you weigh, the lower you're going to burn before any adaptions happen. The adapt, it's just calories burning, period, you know? You're going dri- to burn less gas driving a Mini than you are driving a Hummer, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's a that's a way around this, this whole gas analogy. crisis. Yeah, we all get minis. So minis. <laughs> I had a mini. You know what's funny? Everyone made fun of me when I had my mini. I love that car. I think I it was so think fun. I've ever saw it. No, I've had a lot of cars since I've known you. Yeah. I I, just, I, I do that too much. Yeah, but. you do. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> but the mini was so fun. It was so fun, and it was gas efficient. It was metabolically adapted mm. so <laughs> it was a metabolically adapted car so <laughs> anyway so with uh with the uh, um adapting because you're lower calorie so that's the first thing so people f- freak out about it they're like oh my metabolism's adapted i got metabolic damage no 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 right okay so they've done some studies on it if you look at the biggest loser study which is one i've referenced before too i feel like i've referenced that as it was explained to me and it was explained to me with not the proper explanation of everything that occurred there because the way it's explained on paper and the way it scares people is this okay and this is how i've actually said it too because it's been repeated to me and i i didn't research it as much as i should have mm-hmm. but how how it was was this so biggest loser was a tv show if you guys don't remember it was a kick-ass tv show i really liked that tv show that was fun that was a fun show to watch and then i i guess they stopped doing it because it was it's like i guess morally wrong to get people to lose weight at that extreme i don't know i say go for it man <laughs> i think it's awesome i would love to start one of those like just like a like a house for like people to lose weight and go extreme that'd be so fun to watch and people want to do it anyway beside the point so (laughs) i go off on these tangents but no so the biggest loser tv show was like there's huge prize money at the end of it i think it was like a million bucks or something crazy like that um and whoever basically lost the most weight in a period of time it was like a few months and these people were you know some of them were really really heavy 300 pounds was like a norm there so for women like 300 pounds guys you know 400 pounds it's, it's it's up there there's people that are really big there so they went through these extreme diets. Uh, they did a ton of cardio and, you know, they just totally changed their life, worked out all the time. They lived at this house and they dieted down and they lost a ton of weight. So they tested their metabolism um, prior to the whole show. They tested it after the show. They showed this huge adaption metabolically, huge adaptions. Well, 
they didn't take into account at that time because it was an older study that the adaptions have a lot to do with them just weighing less period. Mm-hmm. They lost like 100 pounds. Right. Of course they burn a lot less calories. Right? You've exactly. lost like 100 pounds. You're not carrying that around anymore. So they didn't even address that. And that's where the study like kind of threw everyone off, right? Everyone Because it was new. It was like, you know, it was older. So everyone was kind of like, whoa, that's, man, it really does happen. You burn less calories, right? And then um, they tested them again six years later. And they, six years later, their metabolism was still adapted, right? To some capacity. It was better, but still, still adapted. Well, why was it? Why was it a little bit better, but still adapted? Well, it was a little bit better because they gained back some of the weight. (laughs) That's why it was a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And it was adapted extremely because they lost so much weight. Mm -hmm. Now, there was some adaptions that happened, but it seems like in the more recent studies that the adaptions that do occur, so you have your your weight-based adaption, your weight-based metabolic adaption, which means you burn less calories because you weigh less. That's just, you know, you're moving a mini, right? We talked about but you also have your, your full-on adaptions. Your body is becoming you know, hyper-efficient at the calories that you're consuming because you're consuming less, so it's finding a way to, to survive off those calories, right? That's where you hear these like, terms that scare people, like survival mode, right? Which is, you know, that's, it's just another thing like that where they try to scare people. But, um, so, but after a period of time, your body tends to recover from that in a relatively decent amount of time. So the adaptions that are happening, these people that are like, oh, I'm metabolically adapted, I'm metabolically damaged, it's a, it's, it, it, there is some of that happening. There is some adaptions happening. Um, and, but, but it's not anything, it's not a hurdle you're not going to be able to climb. Mm-hmm. You might have to go a little bit harder. You might have to go a little bit lower in calories. Uh, what I've found is, this is what, how I've found it. What I've found is that people who've done those diets tend to adapt a little faster than next time they diet. That's what I've found with coaching people. So I don't think that the adaptions are so permanent and so forever. But what I do think is I, and I, you know, I we call it like the diet age, the longer you've diet, the harder you dieted, the faster it seems to be. And this is just my experience, not anything that I've researched on it. It seems to be that those people who've dieted harder and longer tend to run into faster adjustments on their meal plans and end up dieting harder um, unless they haven't done it for like a few years. So like if they did it a long time ago and they're eating, you know, a thousand calories and doing two hours of cardio and then a few years later, then they tend to not have to do that again. But if they were doing it like their last prep and they're like, I want to prep with you now, so I don't have to do that. We tend to still end up pretty high in cardio and high lower in calories. I think just because the adaption, the body recognizes the signals of this, this extreme cut again, you know, right. and then they're just like, okay, we have to go back here type of thing. So of course we're going to give them the chance not to, but that tends to, tends to happen. So uh, that was long winded, eh? Yeah. Eh? Eh? Canadian, eh? <laughs> I have too many Canadian friends. They got me <laughs> saying that like in like 18. <laughs> so question for Adam here. Um, is there such thing as a good adaptation? Um, I would say, I would say in most, in most life scenarios, yeah, adaptations are good. Yes. I mean, I would say, yeah, more than not. I mean, I meant more in the sport, but oh, I mean, for competing, I would say muscular adaptions. Yeah, absolutely. Every time we're getting, we're gaining more muscle, we're adapting to the stimulus that we created. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, absolutely. You want to adapt at those things. You know, you don't, you don't want to be hyper efficient or inefficient at, um, at lifting weights, right. you know, you want to be like really good at lifting weights and then be able to lift more the next time and then mm-hmm. adapt to that new stimulus, you know? Um, so yeah, I would say that that's, that's a really good one. And it, and I would say you being efficient with lifting weights decreases your risk of injury because your joints are more stable. You're more, you're, you've learned how to stabilize weights better. Yeah. You're going to burn less calories if you're super stable lifting like a, a dumbbell chest press. And the first time you lift it, you're like, 
wobbly, mm-hmm. yeah, you're inefficient at that point. But you want to adapt there. Like mm-hmm. you don't want to be wobbly when you start moving up in weight. You know, right? Totally. You get, yeah, you get some hundred pound dumbbells. And you start getting a little wobbly. Those dumbbells get. They lose an edge real quick, those mm-hmm. the 100-pounders, because you lose, like, two inches this way, it's going. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you want to get good before you get to that point, you know, because you can't, you can't come out of that line Ooh, by much. Oh, you do a little dance? Well, you, you like that? This, this is my 100-pound dumbbell dance. I, I know somebody <laughs> who danced like this. That's all I got, Ashley. That's all I got. That's what I'm working with here. <laughs> I'm, the worst, oh. I'm the worst. Did I tell you? I went to, I went to a wedding. That's why I didn't go to the Pittsburgh Pro. Did you know I didn't go to the Pittsburgh Pro? Anyway, I went I to a wedding. I didn't know that, Adam. Are you oh, I didn't, had no idea. <laughs> I went to I a wedding. I thought you just because uh, you didn't want to go to the East Coast. Well, you I know. I think that was it. East Coast isn't my favorite. East Coast isn't my favorite. It's tough. I'm still recovering from yeah, jet lag. That's that's the reason. Okay, East Coast, Florida is still my favorite like place to go visit, but getting there is the worst part for yeah, me. Yeah, it, it's coming back, and then you feel like, <sighs> crap. It seems like the flights from Vegas to there are always Takes like red like eyes. Takes a week to right? recover. It's so bad. Yeah, that's the only thing. But I love it out there. Those are my people. I love Florida so much. But um, yeah, no, that's tough. But anyway, so I went to this wedding uh, in Texas, and it was on Cinco de Mayo, right? And it was like the the bride, she was like Latin chick, and um, I think the groom was too. So I was like, man, this is, I'm going there. I'm a Latin guy. Uh, it's Cinco de Mayo, like it's gonna be lit, and they're gonna be like, you gotta get on the dance floor. So I was like, I was like anxious the whole time because how could I get away from that, right? They're like, dude, it's Cinco de Mayo, you got it. Like, what do you mean you're not gonna dance, you know? So I was like, super anxious, like, like the whole time. But luckily, luckily, uh, ended up getting out of there before the uh, the, the hardcore dancing started. I know you started. can robot though. I you can, you can you can pop and lock. No, I am a robot. This is, that's, okay. <laughs> that's, that's a good response. That's, that's fair. How else you remember one, be good at one thing only your whole life. No, <laughs> this, no, uh, I used to think so. Yeah. But no, I can't do the regular dancing. It's uh, it gets shy. But I've, I've seen you pull out some Michael Jackson moves too. I got one move. I use it to impress ladies With like the you. Hat and then thing. It, it's, it apparently leaves a mark and then <laughs> I got I, nothing I else. I will never that. forget it. <laughs> I will never forget it. I mastered one move, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. That's if we can talk about efficiency. I've been efficient yeah. at one move. He practices it every you know, night. I don't burn as many calories doing it anymore. That's <laughs> what I first started. Uh, so there is another thing that I think is helpful to adapt to, and maybe it's more of a habit or retraining, I guess. So I always say um, to people when they ask, like, how are you able to eat like the healthy food without having bad cravings, without like desiring something more calorie dense and uh, naughty, you know, because <laughs> I've been eat- eating chicken and veggies a long time. Um, I like retrain my taste buds. My taste buds have adapted. So now that they they really do just crave healthy stuff for the most part. I don't have any desire for loaded nachos with treat cheese and stuff. Like, eh. That's an interesting you adoption know? theory. Even, even like, let's take stevia, for example. A lot of competitors will use stevia to sweeten, but many normal people, like, or even whenever a competitor had it for the first time, it's like, oh, this is bitter. Oh, this is horrible. Like, oh, how can you do this? But once you start using it and using it, you're like, oh, this is great. You know, it's, um, I think you can ad- have your taste buds adapt. That's what I'm saying. That's a good, that's yeah. a good theory. Um, you know what? Like a psychological adaption. There I you mean, go. that's something that I've never heard of before, but I mean, I guess it would make sense, right? Do you remember your first stevia? 
Oh, I don't do Stevie. I'm sweet enough as is. Oh, boom. Adam is on like, fire, dude. Dang. On fire today. I can't match your energy today. I'm too jet But he's got some jokes. He's got some jokes. <laughs> they're my dad jokes. These no, are my dad they're jokes. good. They're more than dad jokes. Yeah. They're like okay. uncle jokes. Uncle jokes. Yeah. <laughs> so, Aubrey has to work next to me like all day, and she hears all of the all of the Aubrey. all day. It's so bad. It's worse when I'm not on camera. I'm a little reserved. So, <laughs> so no, I think that's an interesting theory. I uh, know I do remember my first stevia. It was, it was like uh, bitter. bitter. Like it was oh, bitter. Yeah, oh. it was bitter. And now it's like oh yeah, it's great. Huh? Yeah. Um. Now now I yeah I like I like crave it now like when mm. i'm having my coffee and stuff i use uh the sweet drops that you got me set on the sweet drops but i use the chocolate ones mm -hmm. yes and i'm like uh, it's funny because i'll go to like dutch bros and if i i'll like have like panic mode if i can't find my sweet drops and i'm like waste of coffee I'm, like i can't believe i don't have my sweet drops on me. like it like ruins my whole dutch bros experience so it is fun what's funny is i do i do angry amazon ordering when that happens and i order like 20 bottles of it it's like ten dollars <laughs> a bottle and i'm like i'll use it eventually <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Um, no, so I think that that is a thing too because I've been dieting since I was really young, mm -hmm. and um, I don't have any of those cravings. I don't have any of that. And like, and it's when I'm you know hanging out with someone or whatever, um, a lot of times like you don't want to have like a cake or this and that. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't yeah, just, have the desire. Uh, yeah, I, just. Mm. I don't know if that's a good thing, a bad thing, or just it is. Only good thing I would say. Right. I mean, can you imagine if you gave into those cravings? Like, I remember my first preps, my first few preps, like when I first began bikini, I would have bad cravings. And all I could think about was food and cheat meals. And now I'm like, after show, I'm like, eh, I'd rather just shower. Like, I just want to shower a protein bar and a Diet Coke, you know? And a lot of people think I'm weird, but I swear my taste buds have adapted to like want healthier things. I don't really have bad cravings like a lot of people do. And especially, like I said in the beginning, it wasn't like that. You know, when I first started, it wasn't. I was so, like, food obsessed, and I would look forward to the Sunday um, ads because I would look at the grocery ads, and it would be, like, the highlight of my week. Ooh, what am I going to buy at the grocery store? And I still love grocery shopping, but for different reasons, right? And I don't really, you know, go for cheat meals too often either. I just, hmm, I'd rather have all these stuff. I don't really crave crave bad things it's great it's great because i'm not like a foodie but i think it's just because i've adapted to it yeah mm -hmm. yeah and i think even just because i've i've done it so long and eaten clean for so long now my my cravings if i do have any and i want to like cheat it's like a good steak right. you know mm -hmm. it's something like that it's not like the the cake and stuff doesn't really do it for me like once a year I'll, and I, even then i'll have like the stevia cake from like cheesecake factory because like mm -hmm. and i'll like split it with someone to like justify it um, but I don't have it. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. Maybe you just, maybe you're right. That's a good theory. We should look into that. Mm. Is that a thing? Like, you know what? Actually, I have a, I have a, uh, an example. I think that you're, th you're onto something here, Ashley. I think there's probably mm. a whole world of this that we don't know of. And we're like, just kind of like accidentally finding our way into it. Mm -hmm. But, um, the big guy, uh, Penn and Teller, mm -hmm. those magicians, right? Who's the, who's the, the bigger of the two? There's a littler one and there's like a good, it's all, he's a bigger guy. Um, he's like, not necessarily bigger and fatter, just like bigger, like taller, bigger guy. I think at one point he was a little, he was a little soft, but um, <laughs> he dieted down. This is a cool story. He dieted down, and I hope I'm getting this story right. I'm, I'm, I'm like 99% sure this is him. And if not, I'm sorry, he lives in Vegas, probably beat me up. But, <laughs> but um, he did a potato diet. That's all he did is he ate potatoes. 
to change his like mental state on desiring different foods. Like, mm-hmm. I guess it's like a diet. You don't need to do a potato. You can do any like bland food. We don't recommend this diet. No, no, no. But it worked <laughs> It worked for him. And after he did it, he stopped having these crazy cravings. Mm-hmm. This is another Joe Rogan podcast, right? Um, so he had, he started having, the, he stopped having these crazy cravings and it just like kind of changed his t- taste buds and kind of like reprogrammed his mind, he said. And now he's pretty lean. He's pretty lean dude. You know, um, another good example is hot sauce too. Spicy food. If you're not used to having spicy food and you have even something that's mild, it's super spicy. Like Hugo. Everything's spicy to him because he never eats spicy. But do you notice the more spicy food you eat, like let's say you have a favorite hot sauce and you've even, I've even noticed this within the span of a few months. I'll have a hot sauce that I would buy and I'm like, oh man, maybe it's a little too hot for me. And then by the end of that bottle, I'm like, this isn't spicy at all. Mm. It's like your taste buds can adapt to that too. Whereas, you know, some people think that super spicy foods are very mild. And I can feel it happening with myself too with hot sauce probably because you're not using ashley kotwasser hot sauce oh yes i wish we arthur had that insert insert uh, ashley kotwasser hot sauce when we get the budget we need a button for that <laughs> with fire when we get the budget <laughs> we have a we have a uh we still have you still have bottles oh, of that? i have some yeah yeah we have so someone sent us uh do you remember the name evelyn 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 thank you for that she sent us like 20 bottles of uh ashley cutwasser and adamonia yeah we call it ashley hot saucer uh, yeah <laughs> that's yes. the name and it's it's endorsed by adamonia who is a real full-blooded mexican <laughs> so it's legit yes he knows his stuff you know it has authenticity very authentic yes so um that's a it's actually really good hot sauce but we actually have it it's funny because i have a ton of it in my pantry and then mm-hmm. we have like the, the team we'll have team shows out here and mm-hmm. i'm starting to have people there and they're like they they ha- had the hot sauce out and they're like you have your own hot sauce <laughs> be like i wouldn't be surprised you try to dabble in so many projects <laughs> i'm like whoa yeah because you're not busy enough adam yeah, you well, need to take on something else now well, we're coming out with hot sauce hot sauce <laughs> well, what's funny is that when they when people ask me they're like you have your own hot sauce I just like reply back like a, like it's like a dumb question and I'm like yeah of course you don't like, <laughs> but I like try Who to doesn't? I try to straight face it with it they're just like no I don't <laughs> like, it's like that's, wh- that's strange <laughs> it's so funny uh, Ashley hot saucer we need to make one that's like we make a new bottle called Ashley hot saucer that's yeah. a it's Ashley Cotwasser's hot saucer that's funny. Uh, there you go so anyway <laughs> so and then and how then, does this podcast w- always end up in these weird areas of is, is it me? Is it only me? I think it's the mood. <laughs> it's the mood. We should have like an intense version called Blaze and Bonilla. Oh. You know, like that, Ash- the advanced. So once that- you... Once you adapt too much to mine. Is that off the to top? Did you have yeah, this previously planned? N- no, I mean, I don't. It's a, that's I'm a Boyakasha Boyakasha moment right there. I don't know what that is. Uh, Ali, Ali, you know Bush, Ali? Bush no? Okay, Arthur gets it. You don't know it? It's the guy who did, uh, I thought you'd know it. The, the very nice guy. Borat? Borat, but he does it in a different in a different guy. Who's the guy, Arthur? Ali's, Ali, Ali Z? What are they? I don't, yeah, anyway, he did. Ali G. Ali G, there you go. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Kasha. <laughs> what does that translate to? I don't know. It's like cool. It's okay. Just like, okay. <laughs> it's, it's like more than cool. So anyway, this it's a, how does this happen? How does this, I don't even understand how this goes. But anyway, all right. So are we done with this podcast? Where are we at? That's such a great outro. <laughs> That's the best outro. Are we done with this yet? Okay. <laughs> I got shit to do. Are we done with this? <laughs> are we done with this already? Jeez. 
I got things to do. I got people to meet. I got phone calls to make. I'm super important. I don't got time for this. Just take my headphones off and walk off on this podcast. Peace. We're out. (laughs) I guess with that, guys, we're out. Ash has got stuff to do. All right. (laughs) Bye. Bye.